a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Halloween's right around the corner. Many might be surprised to learn that much like Christmas, which is Christian in origin, but has also elements of pagan backgrounds and observances that have been brought into it, Halloween has Christian origins, but decidedly mixed with pagan roots, mostly from Northern Europe, especially England, Scotland, and Ireland. Today, we think of Halloween mostly as children dressing up in costumes and going door to door, sort of begging for candy. That is actually a very recent part of Halloween. In the United States, the first official citywide Halloween celebration that looked even remotely close to the door-to-door trick-or-treat idea was in the town of Anoka, Minnesota in 1921, about 100 years ago. Over the years, Halloween customs and rituals have changed dramatically. So let's back, go back and take a look at the origins. First, let's look at the name. Halloween is a contraction that means holy evening, hallowed or holy een or evening, as they called it in England, Scotland, and Ireland. It literally meant all hallow or holy eve or all holy evening It was also called All Saints Day, All Hallows. It was called Holy Mass after Catholic Mass. It was called All Saints or All Souls Day. The saints therein referred to were, of course, passed away. So it was All Saints Souls Day, in effect, and observed on November 1st, the day after Halloween. And so the evening before All Saints Day on November 1st was the holy evening before this All Saints Day. Roman Catholics and many Protestant denominations observed All Saints Day to honor all the saints in heaven, whether known or unknown. And it was a very important, very solemn, and a very Christian holiday. Catholics were to attend Mass. Italians from Roman times observed the holiday of Fralia, which was a little different thing. It was intended to give rest and peace to the dead. Participants gave 
sacrifices in honor of the dead. And I'm not talking about crazy sacrifices like human sacrifices. I'm talking about offering something of value, food or meat or fruits on behalf of the dead to the gods. The festival was celebrated in February, on February 21st of the Roman year. In the 7th century, Pope Boniface IV introduced All Saints Day because what he wanted to do was combine the holy evening of the Roman Catholics with this Feralia holiday that was pagan in origins. And he also wanted to combine with it some of the pagan elements of holidays in the fall around harvest time that were being celebrated in Northern Europe. And voila, by dictate of Pope Boniface IV, we have All Saints Day, and the change was made from May to November 1st, the day it's still celebrated on today. That was actually done a little bit later, but that's another story. The Greek Orthodox Church still observes it on the first Sunday after Pentecost, a little different day. So along with this connection to Christianity with the name and the origins, Catholicism attempted to combine this Holy Christian Day with a pagan holiday in Northern Europe and also one in Rome to make everyone celebrate together. And that's a bit how Christmas came about. We don't know the exact origins that Christmas had for Christians, but we do know that a few centuries after the time of Christ, that by edict from the Catholic Church, it was combined with the New Year's celebrations of many other groups of religious peoples. So something very similar there that's going on. So let's take a look at the Northern European festivals and celebrations that were folded in to Halloween. All Holy Tide or the Feast of the Dead in Northern Europe by the Celts or Celts if you prefer was a decidedly pagan festival. And it was the close of the harvest, the beginning of the winter season. And they believed that there were fairies and ghosts and spirits and goblins out and about. And so to celebrate this time of year and also to have the gods help them ward off the evil spirits, they would offer some kind of harvest offering to their gods. The ancient Druids also had large bonfires. People gathered to burn the rest of the crops and offer some animal sacrifices. And during this time, they kind of dressed up. They wore some costumes, animal skins, and so forth. And that had something to do with the costumes that are worn today, but not, not completely. We'll get to the rest of that story in a minute. By A.D. 43, the Romans had conquered the majority of all these Celtic areas, 
And so the festivals of the Roman origins of the harvest and also of the Christian All Saints Day were combined together, and then you had this great holiday. Now, some of the traditions came into what would later be known as Halloween from these different celebrations. I mentioned the bonfires. I mentioned the dressing up from the Celts. The Ferelia from Italy had this idea that one of the greatest fruits to honor the goddess Pomona was the apple. And so that's probably, although no one can say for sure, the tradition of the bobbing for apples, which isn't practiced very often, but was in the 1800s, especially in the South and the United States. By the 9th century AD, the influence of Christianity had spread to the Celtic lands in Northern Europe. And in the 17th, by the time the 17th century came around, Pope Boniface IV had many centuries ago designated November 1st. And so we had this church-sanctioned holiday that had now been going on for centuries. And over time, this mostly Christian holiday, but with some accoutrements of these pagan holidays, came to be the Holy Evening, or All Holy Evening, or the Holy Mass, before All Saints Day on November 1st. The point of All Saints Day on November 1st was to celebrate the saints and the souls of all who were dead. And that is is when you get right down to it, the original Halloween that we have, and that it was decidedly Christian in origin because it was celebrating the saints. When we come back, more about how some of these other things, like costumes, carving pumpkins and things came in, which also had in many ways, some Christian, or at least Christian beliefs at their heart. Stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Our discussion today is about Halloween and how contrary to being some horrible, even evil, awful, uh, devil-worshipping kind of holiday, which some ultra-conservative Christians seem to, to believe, it really has Christian origins at its roots. The belief in the saints, those good Christians who had previously died, and celebrating and honoring them, and celebrating the evening, the holy evening before All Saints Day on November 1st. Now, if you have a question or comment about this program or would like some more information about it, feel free to send me an email. Send it to martinstanner at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to respond. So let's now fold in some of these new traditions and show how many of those were also Christian in origin. The American tradition of trick-or-treating 
dates back to early All Souls Day parades in England. Now, what would an All Souls Day mean? That really meant the idea that all of the souls of the deceased should be honored and prayed for. And so during the All Souls Day parades in England, the poor citizens would beg for food from those who were wealthy or had plenty of food. And in return for begging, they were offered what were called soul cakes. They were cakes that were offered in promise for the poor citizens' prayers on behalf of the dead relatives. So in essence, instead of just begging for food and the rich people giving the poor people food, they wrapped into it Christian overtones and purposes to make something nice out of something which would have otherwise been just begging for food. The generous people who were giving the food were turning the hearts of the poor citizens towards the dead saints and getting them to pray. Or perhaps, in some cases, those who were poor were offering to pray and getting the rich or people with food to turn their hearts to their deceased loved ones and to think about um, their souls on the other side. So I'm sure there were cases where both of those alternatives were happening and, and maybe some where both the giver and the givee already had Christianity in mind. So giving soul cakes in return for prayers in was encouraged by the church. The church loved this. This wasn't just some bizarre little practice. And it was something that replaced this ancient practice of offering food to pagan gods. And so the church thought it was great. And the idea of going from house to house and asking for soul cakes and celebrations, that was a good thing. And it was taken up by children instead of doing something bad on those days or rather than just idling away the time. The tradition of dressing up in costumes also has, fascinatingly enough, decidedly Christian roots. Why would that be? Well, on the holy evening on Halloween before All Saints Day, it was believed that because All Saints Day was so wonderful and pure and Christian that the forces of darkness would try to thwart it and the devil would send his evil spirits to earth to try to tempt and damage that holy day, All Saints Day. And so the spirits of the evil ones would come back to earth. And that was the belief. So how would you ward off evil spirits? Well, what you would do is you would stay in the house until night came. If you needed to go somewhere, you wouldn't go out until it was dark. That sounds kind of counterintuitive to us today. We think of dark as scary. But the idea was that if you went out at night and you dressed with a mask or a hood on, then the evil spirits couldn't see you very well, and they would just think you were another 
fellow evil spirit. They would leave you alone to keep evil spirits out of the homes of the good Christians. The Christians would hollow out parsnips and carve scary faces on them and place a candle inside them and light the candle, put them outside of the home, scare away the evil spirits, voila, your home is protected. You might say, wait a minute, parsnips? Why wouldn't they use pumpkins? Well, pumpkins are a new world gourd. They weren't around in Europe. When the Americas were settled, it was, of course, quickly found out that it was much easier to carve out a pumpkin than a parsnip. They were bigger, they were easier to carve, and you could put some pretty uh, scary big faces on them and a candle inside with ease. And so quickly in the United States, and as pumpkins spread into Northern Europe, they were used in place of parsnips. As immigrants came to Americas, they brought with them many different Halloween customs. Protestant belief systems in early New England celebrated Halloween, the holy evening before All Saints Day, very limitedly. The Protestants didn't do much. They were more about austerity, hence the Puritans and and some of the other very, very um, un-holiday-like Christians, I guess might be a simple way to say it. The other groups, like the Roman Catholics and some of the more liberal Protestants, were more open to celebrating some of these holidays. And that happened more in the South, the Southern colonies, and in Maryland, the Northern colonies, more Puritan-like. And so Halloween flourished first in the South in the United States, and it sort of also meshed with some traditions from Native Americans into a decidedly American version of Halloween, which is how the multicolored corn and stalks and corn mazes and things came in to being. Of course, corn is from Native American cultivation. There were colonial Halloween festivals. They featured telling ghost stories, but it wasn't celebrated everywhere yet in the United States. As you get into the era of about 100 years ago, in the 1920s, you finally had this dressing up, going door to door, and passing out candy. And ironically, that was again done for a good purpose, and that was to keep kids from going out and causing pranks. There were a number of places, particularly in Detroit, where some pretty harsh pranks were going on, and they were escalating year by year by year. Barns were burned, wagons were taken apart and put on top of homes and barns and reassembled. Some rather bizarre things were happening. Sadly, uh, animals were killed, just bizarre things were going on. And so finally, the Detroit governance, the, the governments of various places uh, in and around Detroit decided to put a stop to it. It was actually called Hell Night by that time. And so the idea of holidays and children trick-or-treating 
to show that you were a good child, you went out trick-or-treating, to show that you were not involved in all the pranks and vandalism, that's why you went out and went trick-or-treating, to show that you were good. Quite a different idea than we have today. So there you have it, sort of a short little overview of where Halloween and trick-or-treating came and how it's actually Christian in origin, tinged with a bit of pagan elements here and there uh, throughout history. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.